Hi, guys. What up, Internet? Anyway, um, I always wanted to do that. Uh, not always, just as soon as we live stream. I'm like, I'm doing that next time. Uh, anyway, I hope you guys are having a great day. I'm excited to encourage you with a story of where God met me in my biggest moment with God. But I have to be honest, this was a very difficult place to find because it's such a big topic. I didn't know where to land. You see, I'm one of those few, in my personal opinion, non-dysfunctional pastor's kids. And so I, I was privileged to grow up in a home where the church was a healthy place and my parents were healthy and I was very blessed by that. So I've had a lot of opportunities and a lot of incredible people who poured into my life as a result of those blessings. And so just a couple of areas I thought about sharing with you the story of is the country of India and how it's just foundational in my heart. That's a place where I proposed to my now wife, Brooke, on a train in India. Super romantic, but that's for another time. Uh, we also brought our child back home from India next week for one year, which is crazy. Um, and that's, not, yeah, thank you. She's fun and two, so there's that. Uh, I also wanted to share about maybe the 10 years in student ministry that I've just been able to watch students lead and just lead the charge of who Jesus really is for this world, and that's been really fun. But I finally decided where to go with this topic, and um, then God totally changed my mind, of course, as soon as I started writing that. So here's where it is. If I could sum this whole thing up, and I'll walk through what this looks like the rest of our time together, but defining my biggest moment with God goes like this, right here. It's going to come up, I promise. Yeah, there it is. Cool. That's probably my fault. Sorry, guys. Your legacy of faith could be someone else's biggest moment with God. So as I look at that and I think about my life, it starts with a story for us. My wife and I closed on a house about a month ago because we like to adopt a child and move in the same year because we like to go big or go home. And uh, as we did that, we've started to do some projects in the house. We bought a great house. Uh, from a lot of good people. Uh, we've had some friends who are beyond our comprehension and skill of how to fix the house inside with some things. And uh, we've also taken on the ownership of some other capacities within our house to help um, do what we think we should do. My wife is actually the handyman in our relationship, and she also, unfortunately, loves HGTV and Pinterest. So we're busy a lot. Um, sadly, she married, she married me. Uh, but so we're starting to replace all the doors in our house. And as we're doing this, there's a very light door that's about 10 pounds. I, I get to move it, and all of a sudden, I feel my wrist start to really be sore just from one movement of a 10-pound door. Now, that's very humbling and very embarrassing at the same time of something that's so light to move. My wrist hurt not for one or two, but three days. My wrist was sore from moving a 10-pound door frame. And on the fourth morning of this experience, I looked in the mirror, and I've got a, a coat of many colors, as I'll call it. Um, it's just a lot like, uh, yeah, anyway. So as I look in the mirror, I know I've always had these blonde hairs in my beard, but on the fourth morning, I noticed the blonde hair turned gray. So I had a gray hair in my beard. My wrist has been sore for four days, and then I start to process and think through, oh my gosh, I'm going to die someday. <laughs> so that's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> At the end of my life, I really started thinking of the question, what am I going to be remembered for? And as I start to think through that, I think everyone thinks about their mortality a little bit. Like, okay, like there are reminders every single day if you really look around you that our time on earth is very short. And so my biggest moment with God comes down to one person that I'm going to share you with. But 
It's because of her faith. And I, I could have chosen a number of different things. Again, my parents were just incredible faithful followers and continue to be faithful followers of Jesus and showed me who Jesus really is. My grandpa served as an elder in a church in Lachland, Ohio for many years and it was always had just a, it's a gentle, wise spirit. I've had incredible professors, my youth pastor who poured into me as a really ambitious, annoying teenager and a number of different people who just saw me and encouraged me and loved me into a relationship with Jesus. But it was one specific person that I'm going to share with you about of how her legacy of faith really impacted me in my biggest moment with God. My grandma, Marjorie Jean King Reeves. What's so beautiful about her, uh, she, she lost her life in 2013. We, we had her funeral. Uh, she turned 88 years old and went to be with the Lord for eternity, and what a beautiful thing it was. But it's because of her that uh, I've got a life with Jesus, basically. And so what I'd like to do with you right now is to share with you four lessons of her life, a little history as I sum up her life, and then what I can encourage you with as you go about your day and the rest of your life until God calls you home to be with him. So if you'll bear with me, I'd love to walk you through the life of Marjorie Jean King Reeves. She was born in Bracken County, Kentucky. Does anybody know where Bracken County, Kentucky is? Cool, we got, oh, great, great. We've got, that's now a sum total of five people and four services that know. Um, it's a beautiful part of the world. It has a lot of hills and grass and not a lot of people. And uh, she grew up on the family farm there. Uh, but she always told us that she was a very sickly and frail kid. She had three siblings who were very able-bodied and active, who were always working on the farm and doing those types of things. But because she was ill, she was always inside, and so she instead started to use that time to teach herself how to be disciplined in studying and reading. And that came to her benefit down the road because my grandma was the valedictorian of her high school as well as her college that she went to. So she really used that time where she was stuck indoors to really be disciplined in some of those areas, which is really incredible. She went to Cincinnati, or she was the 1946 valedictorian at Cincinnati Bible Seminary, which then became Cincinnati Christian University, where Dr. Faust was the president when I was a student there and I got my degree. I was not the valedictorian. Um, <laughs> C's for degrees, I'll just say that much. Uh, but as my time there, I, I was able to spend some more time with my grandma, and I really just relished in the time that I was able to go up there, bring a load of laundry, and just sit and listen to her and what God was teaching her. So um, as she continued to grow, she received her degree from Cincinnati Bible Seminary, and she took her first job in a church as youth director in a church in Carrollton, Georgia. And this is where she found the love of her life, my grandpa, William Reeves. And uh, this is a picture of my grandma and my grandpa. But early on in their relationship and throughout their marriage, they dealt with a lot of different difficult circumstances in their life. Because you see, my grandpa, who I'm, I did not have the privilege to be able to meet, um, but he had five back surgeries by the time he was 30 years old. He went to the Mayo Clinic twice. It's now something that is uh, very easily taken care of through medication. But at this time, they really did not know what the sickness was causing. And they had three children together, my Aunt Angie, my father, and uh, my Uncle Dale. And she raised all three of those kids while basically becoming a nurse for her husband throughout their relationship. Well, at this time as well, my dad lived for nine years with his father. And uh, in nine years span, the only thing that was consistent was inconsistency. They moved to six different churches because my grandpa was a pastor, and they went to four different states. They kept changing locations and, and finding new life at a different place. 
And at each stop along the way, my grandma would take a teacher role at whatever community school that she could. And she did a great job at that. She loved that. But it was tough times. And in 1963, my grandpa's body had took such a toll that he ended up passing away that year. And he went to be home with the Lord in 1963. So my grandma, at the age of 38, had an eighth grade daughter and two boys, third grader and a preschooler. And she relocated to the place where she got her college degree from, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is a picture of my grandma and the three kids. This is my dad. I love it because he's got the same ears that my brother and I do that stick out like wings. It's really cool. Um, but this is right after the funeral where they moved to Cincinnati. And in that time, as she restarted her life with her three children, the new reality of what they were living in, she took a job at Standard Publishing, and she worked there for 28 years until she retired at the age of 66 while raising these three children. Upon retirement, the first year that she had, she had knee surgery because of the toll that it had taken on her physically. And right after the knee surgery and post-op, she slipped into a coma for 10 days. Right after her retirement, still healthy, but right after that, she slipped into a coma for 10 days, came out of that, and was never the same physically at the very start of her retirement. But she never, ever lost it mentally or spiritually the entire time that I got to know her. And I was privileged to be able to meet some of those things with her. So for 20-some years, she lived in Mason, Ohio at a retirement village. And then in 2012, in the wintertime, she started to slip uh, physically again and started getting unhealthy and, and, and sick. And she ended up passing away in January of 2013, about five and a half years ago. We had two wonderful funerals that honored her life, both here at Connection Point, which some of you were here for that, and we had one as well in Mason, Ohio, where she lived for so many years. And we honored the life that she lived because my grandma had it become that way. She had planned out her funeral for so many years, she knew exactly who was going to speak, she knew what they were going to talk on, and she knew exactly how she was going to be honored by telling everybody about Jesus. That was it. There was no option. She didn't leave the option on the table for anybody. That was my grandma. She was three things to me. She was strong. She was wise. But more than anything else, she was loving, truly loving. And so for myself, what I'd like to share with you is uh, basically four lessons that I've learned from her. And really to define her life before we get into that, um, I still have the program of her funeral. On the left side um, is a couple of verses of scripture that truly made her life available to people. This is how she lived her life out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I met a woman that in the most difficult of circumstances, some that I've never known and probably will never know, be completely faithful and trusting in a God who is perfect in a world where she knows that she's never going to be that. So if you'll go with me, here are the four lessons that I'd like to encourage you with in the legacy of faith that my grandma passed on to our family. The first lesson is this, that no relationship even compares to the relationship that you have with God. Being an editor and a publisher for so many years, I remember the, the last place that she lived in Mason, Ohio, she had these enormous bulky bookshelves of all the books that she's ever edited, published for other people, helped other people achieve their dreams through writing a book or publishing a magazine or whatever it might have been. But stacked in between this, these books, these magazines, these videos, were 11 pictures, three of which were her children and then eight of her grandchildren. And in each of these picture frames, we found out later on what she would do every single day was she would look at those pictures and she would pray for every single person in that picture frame every single day as long as she felt led to do so. 
She prayed as long for us as John prays for communion every single week. How great is that? <laughs> Isn't that great to be known for praying too long? Isn't that wonderful? I love that. That's John's heart. That's my grandma's heart. That's someone who knows the Lord, and that's so awesome. But my grandma did that so lovingly for us. And actually, it, it paid away for us because when uh, my wife, Brooke, and I were doing the whole grand tour of meeting one another's families, uh, we wanted to meet each other's families before we knew, which we, pretty were, we were pretty sure we were made for one another, but we wanted to meet everybody. I had gotten full approval from her side, in my opinion. And then we went over to my side, and she got to meet my grandma. Our time was brief, but it was beautiful, just like all the other interactions that we've had with grandma. So as we were sitting there, things were going well. I left the room for a couple minutes, came back, we said goodbye, and then we hit the road. And in the car on the ride home, my wife <laughs> looked at me and she just goes, I really like your grandma. I was like, yeah, yeah, she's pretty great. I'm like, so what did you guys talk about when I was gone? She goes, oh, yeah. Uh, she said two things. She goes, as soon as you left the room, the second you left, she leaned right over to me and she looked me in the eyes and she goes, you know God puts you both together, right? Just vividly like that. Now here's the truth. She's not a prophet, but she did know a God, and she had prayed for me so much that in her eyes, she could see clearly in Brooke that this is a woman who's confident, who's strong, and who loves the Lord, and that's all my grandma had ever prayed for me to be with, and so when she met Brooke, she knew right away this woman was made for me, well before I had any idea about this, because I don't know if it's just a male genetic thing, but I was late to the party on understanding this. Brooke wasn't, my grandma wasn't, but I was, go figure, um, but she knew. She knew exactly how to pray. Um, the other side of the coin, though, my grandma, because God mattered so much more than people, she would ask some awkward questions to other people because she was so confident in herself. And uh, really, she was just always curious, curious about things that may be awkward for other people. Um, so in the same breath that she told Brooke that we were made to be together, she asked a question uh, to Brooke that I'm sure every woman marrying into a family from the grandmother-in-law really, really looks forward to answering this question. She looked right at Brooke and she goes, by the way, how much do you weigh? <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, I got permission from my wife in case you guys are like, Nate, that's not nice. You should have asked your wife. I did. Eh, it's fine. Anyway, so that was funny. But I share that because my grandma was not perfect, but she knew the one that was. She knew God beyond everything else, nothing even compared to that. And she really showed me a verse of scripture. And we've been walking through our summer wisdom and looking at the book of Proverbs about wisdom. And uh, I have to say, her life led to this one verse for myself that I've been walking in without having any understanding of why it happened. And I think because of my grandmother's faith, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26 exemplifies this. It says, those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. It's not an accident in my personal opinion that my parents, my aunts, my uncles, and all of my seven other cousins, including myself, have an active, pursuing relationship of Jesus Christ and are active in our churches where we serve. I don't say this to boast about our family and comparing my family to yours. I don't say this to make much of us and less of you. I'm just sharing this gift by letting you know that I think because of her prayer life, because of her relationship with the Lord, she had prayed so devoutly for all of us to know him that we almost didn't even have the option because she showed us in the most dire, difficult of circumstances, she, she remained with the Lord because she knew he remained with her. And I think that was such a beautiful legacy to pass on. And I have to say this, to the parents, the grandparents, the mentors, the coaches, the teachers, everybody in this room who influences somebody, the people that maybe you have chosen to lead yourself with or other people have asked you to lead them. 
I need you to know these things, and I know you're probably already aware of them, but I feel like we need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed. Everybody that you're influencing is watching everything that you do. And that's a tough lesson to learn, but I have to say in becoming a dad this past year, I recognize that my gentle, nurturing spirit is not the same at 3 p.m. as it is at 3 in the morning. It looks a little different with a two-year-old screaming stuff that I don't even understand, and I don't have that same loving, kind spirit in my heart. But I will say this. I know I'm at my best as a husband, as a father, as a coworker, and as a neighbor, when my best relationship walking out of the door every single day is God and no one else. If my relationship with the Lord is so much more advanced than any other relationship that I've got, I'm going to be so much more of a loving, kind, gracious person to the people around me. But when I cheat my time out with him and his word and my listening prayers and my time of listening to worship music, I'm just not the same loving, kind, gracious person that he has set out for myself to be. And that's true for all of us. And I have to say, the loudest thing that my grandma ever talked about was Jesus. She was so much more loud, and she was never loud at all. I'm just saying by comparison. She would only talk about Jesus. She'd only talk about how God's moving in your heart and just ask you questions about what you're learning right now. In fact, she was so much more advanced in that way that things that we would typically be really loud about, she really didn't. She's the only person in the history of the world that I have met who is a quiet UK basketball fan, University of Kentucky basketball. They've been very good for a long time. They have a lot of success, and a lot of my friends are UK basketball fans, and they're very obnoxious, and I understand why, because they're very good. My grandma was quiet about that, but she was loud about the stuff that actually mattered. She was loud about Jesus. And so she made it easy for us to see that God was a safe place for her. He was home for her. And we found refuge in him because of how she lived her life. Because every single morning she handed over the keys to a God that was in control and she didn't have to be. And she moved on with her life because she knew God. The second lesson that I learned from my grandma was this. To bring the people into your life that Jesus brought into his. Again, at her funeral, this is a woman who read the word every single day and let it breathe life into her. These are, this is a verse of scripture that she at the end of her life wanted people to know. She believed this and she wanted them to believe as well. So if you're a, a new Christian or been a Christian for a long time, this is a woman who knows God well beyond what I know right now. So if I were you, if I don't have this etched in my heart, I would highlight this in your Bible, read this every day, because this is something she lived by and she wanted it so badly to be spoken at her funeral that she made it happen. So this is what my grandma believed and wanted everyone else to believe. That therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So as a woman who pursued the word of God every single day and read the four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, she knew who Jesus associated himself with. If anybody was able and willing to listen, Jesus reach out to those people and bring them in. It didn't matter who they were. Jesus associated himself with children when they were considered second-class citizens. He reached out to the greedy, to the sexually immoral, to the political leaders, to the people who had it all together on the surface. Jesus shared with them and brought them into his life and showed them a new way to live, a loving way to live. 
You see, my grandma, she didn't make time to really ever talk about herself, and she certainly didn't entertain me when I was in college, and I would see a lot of different Reds games on a college budget because they were affordable because the Reds were terrible. And all I wanted to talk about with my grandma was like, let's talk about the Reds for a second, Grandma. You grew up with the big red machine, the best team in the history of baseball, and I get to watch these guys are so bad. She would just change the subject. She's like, ah, I'm not interested in complaining ever. Let's just move on. Let's go. Because she had hidden important things like Hebrews 12 into her heart that she just wanted to know, who are the people Jesus wants me to see? And recently, I actually got to sit down with my mom and dad to talk about her life and have them share with me some things that I may have missed with her in our time on earth. And she shared, my mom and my dad shared with me a couple of different stories of how she really saw people that Jesus wanted her to see, and she poured her life into them. The first woman that I heard about this was a woman named Law. Um, this is Law, and this is me at two years old. The next year, I started growing my beard. Um, but Law was... Um, from Cambodia. And uh, at this time, there were a, a, a large population of Cambodian refugees who had settled in the city of Cincinnati, Ohio. And their church had asked people just to reach out to them to help care for these people who have been displaced, who were looking for a home, who were looking just to start over. And so my grandma took it upon herself, not just to get to know Law, but she brought Law into her home to live with her for an entire year. Law was her daughter. She was her spiritual parent. She brought Law to know who Jesus Christ was. She was baptized into faith. She helped her find a job where she got married, and she came back frequently just to see the person that she called mom, my grandma. She saw a need. She talked to God about who she needed to see to give them Jesus, and this is a woman that she really changed the life of because she listened to the Lord and moved in the direction of somebody that needed Jesus. Law is a legacy of my grandma. Another couple of individuals, there were two children. Again, my grandma being a single mom with three children that she was raising. Uh, there were two kids that, that came to the youth group with um, my youngest um, uncle, Dale. And uh, while Dale was there, there was a friend of his named Mike and another kid named Brian who would come. And their parents weren't involved in church, didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Jesus. And so they just knew their kid went to church. But my grandma found out about this. And decided she's going to take it upon herself to make sure that whenever those doors are open and her kids are there, she's going to make sure that Mike and Brian each have a ride to be just as much of a part of the story of God through what the church was doing. She also invested her time and energy into Mike and Brian just to show them who God really is. She didn't want them to have an excuse as that God doesn't really care for me because she wanted them to know that she cares just as much for them as she does for her other three kids my grandma would even leave her other children to go and be a part of um, Mike or Brian's concerts that they were a part of or Mike or Brian's sporting events because she's like, yeah, you guys are important, but so are they. So she would leave them and go be a part of what Mike and Brian were doing. And she led them into seeing who God made them to be specifically, and they are each now actively involved in serving in the ministry at a church in this nation. And those are three people that my grandma saw. She encouraged them with the story that God had given her to give to them. And she saw them because Jesus had very, very clearly opened up her eyes to these three individuals. And she brought them into a faith and brought them into a servant-mindedness that showed the world who Jesus was as well because of her impact. You see, my grandma showed me more than anything else that that time with the Lord and prayer and the word will drive you to see the people that Jesus would have loved. And then she did those types of things all the time. Greg Moore last week, if you weren't able to hear that, it was truly incredible to hear Greg later on in life as an adult have a friend and a mentor reach out to him and make sure every single Friday they were going to sit down and they were going to talk about their faith and they were going to talk about what it looks like to truly follow Jesus and give up everything else. 
but it took a friend. And that's what my grandma was to people. So because of her time with the Lord, and because she saw people the way that Jesus wanted her to see, that's why this third lesson is able to make sense in my eyes. The third lesson that I saw from my grandma was this, to share the gifts that God gave to you with those around you. As I think about the story of my grandma, I really was, was hoping to find a story out of the Bible of, because I really do feel like her, her life could be in Scripture. I feel like it could, it could be wedged in there uh, because of how she was faithful with God with, with tough circumstances. And so upon researching and thinking and praying through it and uh, some conversations with some other mentors of mine, Lydia is a woman out of Acts chapter 16 who I think parallels a little bit with my grandma's story. And uh, Lydia was the first person in Europe to convert her life and become a follower of Jesus because of Paul's influence on the words that he spoke. And so let's look a little bit at Lydia's life in Acts chapter 16, verse 11 through 15. Since we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. And as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She was baptized along with other members of her household, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, Come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. So as I look at that, I think through that. Here was Lydia, who this is what we know. She was successful in business. She was the head of her household, and she was a worshiper of God. So religiously, professionally, and personally, she seemed to be at the top of her game and completely without need. But she didn't let that get in the way of remaining teachable as well as remaining generous. And so what's so great about Lydia's story is you and I both know she had yet to accept Jesus until Paul started speaking to her. And we heard from Greg's story last week, and maybe you've heard before, but Paul's story was one where he was converted from killing Christians because of their faith to helping people see the beauty and the pathway of Jesus. And so Paul used his words very gently with her and gave her something that she'd never heard before, and she chose and made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time in her life. And then she had the influence to bring her along her whole household to be baptized in faith as well. And then you see why she's really good at her job as a business person, right? Because then she told Paul, hey, why don't you stay with us? And it said she urged them until they agreed. I don't really see anywhere else in scripture where Paul was convinc convinced of anything, all right? So she, this woman was very, very good at what she did. And so here's a woman that seemed like she had it all together, but then Jesus came in and showed her she needed more stuff. In the same way, my grandma, it would be very understandable for her to have been upset and frustrated and annoyed and truly give up because of some things that had happened to her. It'd be easy to see that, right? She wasn't able to achieve her dream after being a valedictorian. She had to be patient on that. She was a sick child, and right after retirement, she had to be paused as well because her physical health had left again. And how tough that must have been, but because of her committed relationship with God, she didn't even have the frustration to complain. She just kept 
plowing forward, moving ahead, loving the people that God put before her to give them the same type of love with her gifts that she had. And a couple of different ways I heard about this, you see when my grandma worked at Standard Publishing for 28 years, she rose through the ranks and had worked so hard that she became the first woman to have a leadership title in any Christian publication. And so she, she got the, uh, the title of Director of Leadership Training, where she ran around to all these different churches. And this is well before a lot of different leadership conferences happened for Christian leaders. This is kind of before that was a thing. And so she would do that herself. She would go and teach people, especially with their VBS curriculum, their Vacation Bible School curriculum, which is for the first time kind of helping people see the beauty and nature of how to really share the story to children about the story of God and how to win the hearts of the family to help them grasp the concept as well so that they can live that way and then share that with their neighbors through the church. So my grandma used that gift of hers to help encourage other people. She would help them brainstorm ideas culturally, how it's different in Des Moines, Ohio, as it is to Chicago, Illinois. There are different cultural contexts, and my grandma would help listen to them, encourage them, and equip them with a way that would help them be led in a direction that would help win the hearts of many in their church and within their community. And I think that's a beautiful thing to know, that she didn't let anything get in her way to use the gift that God had for her. Later on in life, after she had lost her physical health and retirement, and because of her story, and again, I know my grandma had some sorrow. Losing your husband and having three children all alone had to have been one of the most difficult circumstances that you can put yourself in, especially knowing what eighth graders are like, knowing what third graders are like, and knowing what preschoolers are like alone. But knowing you're raising them by yourself and having to travel across the country and start over has to be difficult. But she was met by the church in a transformative way. And she used that same transformation that she had received from his people back to the same direction. So she and a couple of different church bodies started these Bible studies at two different churches that reached widowed women, single parents, single moms, and uh, women who were attending church by themselves while their husband did not believe in Jesus yet. And so she gave her life to these women of a pain point that she knew of how to be the spiritual leader in your home, how to know who God is, how to study his word, and how to live like you're the spiritual champion because you know that Jesus initiates and perfects your faith and to not control your life anymore but just to give it over. She used and leveraged her gift to the Lord for his people. And on a personal note, as her grandchild, she told me very early on, not in a controlling way but in a very gentle way, always, she kept reminding me, Nate, you love people. You're made to be a pastor. You're made to encourage. And she always told me this in a very calm demeanor like she always did, but I knew she knew the Lord. And so there was something different. And I never had a shortage, fortunately, and been very blessed with that. I've never had a shortage of people coming into my life. My parents have been great again. I've had a lot of great mentors. I know I'm walking in blessings. I get that. But my grandma, there was something different about it. She reminded me and told me so frequently, so often, that it allowed me to see God's plan for my life because of her impact and her consistency and her gentle spirit. She goes, Nate, people are always going to need to be encouraged. They're always going to need to be listened to. They're always going to need someone to laugh with them. They're always going to need someone to cry with them. They're always going to need to know who Jesus is through your teaching, through your questions, and through your life, through your witness. And I think you're made for that. And I'm fortunate to be walking in the blessings of her impact in my life because of her seeing me and her using her gift to love me into a relationship with him. The last area and a lesson that I learned from my grandma was this. To bloom where you're planted. 
I use this phrase because I actually heard my dad reflect upon this. And as you really think through her life, and again, the pain that she had gone through and the, the difficult circumstances that she had been in out of her control, she really was a person who had an incredible gift of peace and had an incredible gift of being content. She knew no, not, no matter the season that God was still in control and he had a perfect plan. She didn't know what that plan looked like, but she knew for some reason I'm in this, so how do I deal with this? And she really showed us that it's possible in the most difficult of circumstances to still trust the Lord and to bloom where you're planted because God still has a perfect plan even though it's not a perfect time right now. And right after she lost her husband, I know this verse out of Psalm chapter 68, verse 5, spoke truth into her. Just like Hebrews 4.12 talks about how God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. This breathed so much life into her right after she lost her husband. He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. You see, there's no really a reason that my grandma and I connected as much as we did because we really aren't a whole lot alike. If you don't know me, I'll just sum myself up. Um, I've been defined as, as awkward. I understand that. Uh, laid back, relaxed, goofy. I don't like to have too much serious time. If it's like 35 minutes of a very serious conversation, let's get up and run a lap and laugh about something because this is getting way too serious in here. That's me. But the one common denominator of the driving force of our relationship was that we both sincerely love people. And so she used that and encouraged me in this way. So my grandma, I hope the story, I want to speak to a couple of different specific people right now. I, I know there's an increasing amount of, of grandparents that are raising their grandchildren for whatever the circumstances might be. And you just don't know how you're going to pull it off. You don't know how you can do this again. For some of you in the room, you've been in a really tough season and it seems like it's ongoing. It's never going to stop. Where's the pause button on life? If God's plan is really good, why is this still happening? For some of you, you've been a caretaker in your home, whether it's a mental illness or a physical illness for someone else, and you just keep remaining in that role and it's been very tough to breathe for yourself. For some of you, you have been basically stuck in a role at your job that you feel like you're way overqualified for and you're really struggling with finding contentment in this season. But I have to tell you, the one thing my grandma always drove into us was because, again, knowing the Lord and knowing that he's perfect and knowing that he has you there for a reason was exactly what drove her so much. It was exactly why she could have peace, which is exactly why she could have contentment, because she didn't really need to please other people because all she wanted to do was please the Lord. And I thought that was such a gift to so many people. So I guess upon thinking about this, I know that I personally don't understand it, but I've seen the life acted out that did. I've seen the life acted out that not only brought her children into know the Lord when she felt by herself, but brought her grandchildren into know the Lord because of how she behaved in circumstances that were very difficult, very horrible, and quite frankly, she didn't complain about it to anybody. She lived her life to please God, and that was it. I think one of the most beautiful things I heard about my grandma was one of the best news she could have made. And in a time of really inconsistent seasons, um, again, when my dad was nine years alive with his dad, they moved around to six different churches in four different states. But the best move my grandma made was before every church they went to, she called the church and asked them if they would have somebody to pour into her children. She asked, who are the faithful followers of God? There are three criteria I have for this. Do they know who God is? Do they love Jesus? And would they take a time and interest in my child? And then she made it happen. She would ask the church to rise up, and they did. There was something unique about that. You see, my grandma, one of the best small group leaders, to sum it up, for her children. 
even though she was a faithful follower of God, her husband was a faithful follower, she knew it really took a Deuteronomy 6 type lifestyle to really have a city surround your child and love them into seeing that God is real, God is good, and Jesus died for them to give them life. And I think that's pretty incredible to see how she responded in that way. So for those of you that feel alone, that feel that no one's really hearing you, no one's reaching out to you, no one's caring for you, I would encourage you to reach out, if not just for yourself, for your family, for your future family, whatever it might be, you need to be cared for, but reach out and ask for that same help for your family. And maybe for some of you, you've been through some things, and you need to do exactly what my grandma did, which is use the pain that you've had and that people have gotten you through to help other people with that same experience. Maybe you need to help out at Clarence Farrington and get an interest in that, like John was talking about. Maybe for some of you in this room, you need to be a small group leader. For some of you, you need to stop complaining about your neighbor's lawn and maybe mow it for them instead. For some of us, maybe you need to make pie for people because who doesn't love pie? Well, find out if they're gluten-free first and then make a gluten-free pie. But do something that would reach out to the people around you that you would show them that Jesus is real. Maybe for some of you with football season coming up, could help people with a fantasy football drafting advice. Maybe there's a really obnoxious University of Kentucky basketball fan around you and you need to become a University of Kentucky basketball fan as much as it kills you to your core to win them to know Jesus. Don't let anything stop you short of knowing the people around you that Jesus has put in your life particularly for you to love them and care for them because your neighbors need it, your coworkers need it, and truthfully, you could change the entire trajectory of your family by your faith and your trust in a God that is good and in a trust that the Savior died for you to bring you new life so that you could change your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives, and I don't think anything would have happened without my grandma's commitment to making sure that her children were cared for the way that she hoped for every single other person. One last story I'd like to share with you. Um, my grandma had a fear of water. And I only knew this because on her honeymoon, again, she grew up in Bracken County, Kentucky. There weren't really water holes. And because she was a sick kid, she didn't really do that. So in her early 20s, she went on her honeymoon. And uh, she was being swept out into the ocean with an undertow. And it scared her to death, of course. My grandpa grabbed her wrist, grabbed her back to shore, and rescued her. So for 40 years... I don't know of another time that she went back to a body of water, but I was looking through a photo album at my parents, and this picture's always stuck out to me. And it's preceded with pictures of what a grandma typically does, which is just play with the children on the, on the shore, building sandcastles, throwing the ball around, laughing. But this picture, knowing the past, knowing the history, matters so much more because when we talk about, out of Proverbs 14:26 about the fear of the Lord, finds people who are secure people have a fear of the Lord, they're secure, and they'll be a refuge for their children. Because there are two fears that you have. You have a fear of the world, and you have a fear of the Lord. And a fear of the world is literally that undertow that's sweeping you out to shore because you're worried about so many other things in life. There are so many other issues going on, and you're going to be swept out to the ocean and drown. Or you can trust to go into the strong arms of your loving Father who's ripping you out of the water. And because he rips you out of there with such force, it scares you to death, but you know that you're safe. And because you live your life in a fear of the Lord and a love of the Lord, it so easily is sharing for you to share with people around you that this is a good thing. This is a good God. And because of my fear of him, I can be so much more secure. I can love people so much more recklessly than I ever could before. I could share the undeniable gift of loving people that he gave to me. And I can just be content no matter the season because I know that God is good. My biggest moment with God was quite frankly somebody else's life. And so I wonder for yourself, would you allow yourself, like we said right at the very, very beginning, that could it be that your life is actually made for somebody else? That your legacy of faith could be someone else's biggest moment 
with God. And who are those people? You're going to be like my grandma was to me to someone else, but it's a matter of listening to the Lord, trusting in him, and moving all the time with him. Let's pray. Awesome Father, we just praise you so much for who you are and what you have done. God, I thank you for the legacy of my grandma. God, I know that I don't know what it's like personally to be through some of the really difficult things in life that people have gone through and are going through. But God, I pray that you comfort, that you make your presence very well known to people, that you would soften their hearts and open their minds to change generations. So God, for the first generation Christians in this room, God, that they would know that their children will have the same loving relationship and legacy because of their faith. God, for the people who feel like they've got a broken past with God, that they would start over and start fresh. God, you know I haven't had an easy life, but I have been walking in blessings because of someone else's circumstances and how she showed us that trust is easy when you know who you were made to love, who you were made to be, and the one that is perfect and his perfect plan for you. So God, would you just enter the hearts of us and send us recklessly out to love every single person that we can because of your grace, because of your gift, because of your son. Jesus, we praise you and honor you and thank you for the people like my grandma who have been in this church and in this community that have helped people see that God is real and you can trust him. So please encourage us continuously as we share stories with one another of how to truly live and love like you have for us. It's, the gift of your, it's by the gift of your son we pray, Jesus.